0: This is an Encore presentation from Veritas Radio. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society.
1: And we are, as a people, inherently and historically, opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings.
0: questions you always had, the answers you were never given, the place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. Greetings to everyone around the world and a warm welcome to another edition of Veritas. I'm your host, Fabregas, and I sincerely thank you for joining me once again. And if this is your first time, please make yourself at home. To listen to this interview in its entirety and all of our material, just go to VeritasRadio.com and subscribe. And for MMS and our new organic sulfur, visit the Veritas store. And tonight, we discuss the big picture with our special guest, george green george green majored in geophysics at colorado school of mines and law and business at the university of illinois he's a former investment banker registered financial principal with the nasd and a broker and dealer securities underwriter real estate developer insurance broker and publisher our frequent guest on radio and tv talk shows he's an expert in ufo phenomena investigation and making contact He has had contact with ETs and shares their message in a book they authored called The Handbook for the New Paradigm. Mr. Green has information on how this planet began, how the so-called elite have plans for World War III, the reduction of population, and the Plan 2000, which is in motion as part of the political agenda today. And to learn more about George Green and his work, visit his website at nohoax.com dot com at n o h o a x dot com, which is also linked at ours, and directly from somewhere in the state of Montana or Idaho. I'm not sure which one he is today, but I would like to welcome George Green. Hello, George, and welcome to Veritas. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. And uh, today you had some uh, some issues going from point A to point B, which I think uh, serves to give a perspective to our listeners. And before we start with with uh, your story and, and, and the big picture, but you had some issues going from point A to point B today that, that could be a sign of things to come when things fail. Can you talk about that?
1: Well, uh, my car actually uh, registered I had gas in it, but it didn't have any. And I was on the interstate in an area where there's it's like 50 miles between gas stations. Anyway, I pulled out in the middle of nowhere. You know, obviously pulled off the road and it went dead. And I didn't had no idea. You know, it said that. Anyway, I got to the position of uh, I knew I was about two miles away from a what they call a uh, where you pull your cars off and everybody meets. You know, to go to the restrooms. Anyway, I, I made it to there because I did. I said no big deal, except for my my car was not registering correct. Anyway, I got there and the payphones don't work. Because they've disconnected those all over the place, too. So, I ended up uh, talking to this couple, and they took me on down to where there was a phone station that was another twelve miles and I know I, I ended up uh, having them taking me back you know the phone station take me back up and get the car going uh, but it reminded me of all the other things because I was talking to the people down there that frankly uh, listened to the type of stuff that we are talking about right now, and they knew all about or they knew as much as they could about what 's going on 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 the planet, and they were concerned at the same way because many things are in motion right now now. I was was in Montana Montana on, on the television, they were announcing the other day they're looking for people to man the FEMA camps. In other words, they're going to get people to get ready to work on the FEMA camps. Now, the FEMA camps were previously called prisoner of war camps, which I have a copy of it because they asked me to build one. Then the next thing they come down, oh, this is a TV station again, the next thing they said they put a big deal, they remind everybody between 18 and 25 they have to go register for the draft. Now, I don't know if you've heard this or not, but that's a big clue to me anyway, because I was involved with the meetings before on their plans to get World War III started and getting the people going. Now, we have people, as you know, the United States has people all over the world. And we don't have a lot of them here. They're all in other countries, which puts us in the position of basically being taken over. Well, the other problem with it is the distribution of of fuel, uh, per se, and they're changing all the cars, and they're changing all kinds of stuff, and all the things they're designing for people's so-called comfort, it's just making them ignore everything that's coming around, and frankly, they need to be awakened to what's coming down real fast right now. Now, I'm, I'm having meetings uh, tomorrow, for instance, with some of our state representatives, uh, because they're sitting down here representing or trying to get the stuff out, understanding even in the state itself, it's controlled by a few people. And so they're trying to figure out how to get around that. It's like our Congress. How many people in there really think like you and I do? Most of the rest of them are bought and paid for by some major corporation.
0: And anybody who's new, anybody who's elected is usually subverted, or destroyed, so it's only a matter of time before they they uh, get into the fold. But we before we start talking about the big picture once again, a lot of people who listen to, to to this show know who you are, but there are some who don't know. I have a financial background, and I'm always it's a pleasure to talk to some to people like you who have a a you know a lot of knowledge about geopolitics and the economy and so on. But I'm always curious to know how does a successful investment banker. Immersed in the financial world, all of a sudden, gets to discuss the ET phenomenon.
1: Well, the, you have to look at my over. These are things where I did not know from that situation, because what I was uh, before I got involved in the big game of Monopoly, um, I was in the Air Force, and I happened to be assigned at Edwards Air Force Base, which. For your listeners, that's the Air Force Research and Development Center. And I got to work on all the super secret brand new things that were at that time available uh, that they were working on, whether they wanted to, you know, have them in the public's eye. Uh, For instance, uh, uh, one morning I was assigned to do the post-flight inspection on the X-15. That's the forerunner of the space shuttle. Anyway, it lands out in the desert. Uh, it, it's basically a, a rocket on skits. It has just a couple of wheels for guidance at the other end, but basically it's just a big sled. I mean, anyway, it landed, but it's about five miles north of the main base. Now, Edridge is nothing more than a big desert. I mean, you have, you know, uh, concrete runways, but the desert was used for landing like the X-15. Well, when I got out there, it was 10 o'clock in the morning. It was the last week in August. I'll never forget it because this changed my life in, in some ways. Uh, when I finished doing it uh, at 10 o'clock, the temperature was 100 degrees, because, you know, it's the top in the desert. Yeah. Uh, we They don't let you work when it's over 100, uh, 100 degrees out there. And I had my Jeep. My problem is that I had to put 25 miles a day on the Jeep, which was generally not a problem. But what happened is, with that, with that programming as such, uh, I I was didn't have anything better to do, and there was a couple hangers I hadn't been to. So what I did was uh, take my Jeep and I went out to this hangar and I goes inside and there's this big circular craft. Now, I, you know, it's round. I'm 10 feet away from it now. I don't have any problem with looking. I said, well, this is unusual, but I didn't, you know, I worked on a bunch of strange looking be- uh, things. Again, and the first thing I did was when, when can I work on that round craft?
0: Said, I, lost you, uh, I lost you for about five seconds there when you started giving details. Can you repeat uh, that, please?
1: Sure. Well, when I went out and, uh, uh, into this hangar, I'm looking at this round craft, and I said, it's very unusual, but I'm 10 feet away from it. So when I came back into um, in my, you know, the squadron, I talked to my commander. I said, when can I work on that round craft? I mean, I've been working all, <laughs> on all this other top secret yeah. stuff. And he said, you saw that? And I said, yeah. He says, that's an ion-powered craft designed by Sikorsky for use in outer space. I said, so? And he says, well, it's still a civilian project. And that's what Edwards is primarily at that time. It's mostly civilian contractors to build the vehicles. Anyway, and remember, you're talking about an ion-powered craft for use in outer space. Now, this happened the last week in August of 1958. Now, go back and think about that. They're talking about this type of equipment at that time, right?
0: Imagine what we have now.
1: yeah, basically. And I'm sitting here, sitting here looking at it, and I says, well, great. When can I work on it? And he says, you can't. It's still a civilian project. Well, this is one of the, as you say, coincidences, Mel. I uh, went back, and I talked to my buddy. It's 10 in the morning. I said, let's go have lunch. And I said, um, get me some pictures of the, of the round craft. And he says, what did they tell you? And I told him, and he said, that's not true. And he, and then he says, come on with me. So we went over to the lab, and he showed me pictures of the craft. And I'm again, I'm looking at it. The two dead aliens got my attention. And that really upset me, because I was cleared for top secret. So I was mad. And now me, I'm one of these people who want to find out the truth. So I headed off back down to my commander, and I asked him. And of course, his first hour, he debriefed me. Uh, on all the implications of a top-secret clearance. And we we joked about it because my family had money. It was a $10,000 fine, but the jail time bothered me. And I said, hey, don't worry about it. I won't say another thing because that was the end of me, right? So anyway... um, Another week, I mean about a month went by and they transferred me off the base So I got to play the game running around the Air Force they reassigned me in different places finally send me up uh working on the Hound Dog nuclear missile which is the first nuclear missile we dropped from the B52 so I got involved for 2 years I was a guidance technician for that
0: but for, forgive me for interrupting the, the two aliens. You didn't, you didn't give any details about that. Can you tell us about that? And, and was did they belong to that craft? And in essence, was it ours, really? Or was it captured or reverse engineered?
1: No, it was the, the E.T. craft that had crashed. Mm. It's one of the ones like the the Roswell incident, yeah. you know, the little greys. That's what it was. And so uh, if I, I found out later that our government had made some deals with them, and that's part of the base that we, the ETs have right now in Dulce, New Mexico. And they have it today. I mean, if your people go down there looking at all the fences around, that's where it is. And the ETs, have their, if you have your car parked at night, you can see them coming in every night. That's just today.
0: So the two aliens, you saw them, or do you show photographs?
1: Oh, I just saw the photographs. I didn't see the aliens. I, I mm-hmm. just saw the photographs. But it made me mad because then when I asked the commander about it, you know, uh, he just said, when the government's ready to tell the truth about UFOs and ETs, they will. And so basically stick to the story I gave you that, you know, that it was an iron-powered craft. Play ball. Well, that's, yeah, just play ball. So I didn't say anything about it. In 1984, I built a house in Aspen. And my housekeeper happened to have a book called UFO Contact from the Pleiades. Incredible color photographs of exactly the same thing I saw at Edwards. That got my attention. So I flew down to Phoenix, and I talked to this couple who said they were investigating a man in Switzerland who claimed to be in contact with beings from the star system the Pleiades, who said the that Maya. they engineered. Yeah, they said they engineered this planet for five hundred million people. Well, I've got to digress a minute. When they asked me to be the finance chairman for the next president of the United States, I sat it on meetings where they want to reduce the world's population to 500 million. It, it's challenging to put together all the pieces. The ETs say, uh, because I'm, I'm talking to them like you and I are talking, they say I've been well trained. In other words, I've been put in position so I could be consciously aware of what's going on and how the, what we call the world plan is going into effect.
0: I want you to take us back to that moment. I think this is a pivotal story for the listeners to, to know, for those who don't know. But um, you were, I remember the story. Why don't you tell us, you met with Ted Kennedy, and they were going to offer you the chairmanship of uh, for for President Carter. Well,
1: well let, let's, let's clarify you, to give you an idea. Yes. Um, I, I took my daughters with me. We were going up to Aspen so they could go skiing. And then I walked in to this room at the meeting, and I'm looking around. I had the world leaders in the room, and I said, "What am I here for?" And they say, "We would like you to be the financier for the next president." I said, "Why me?" And they say "We owe you a favor." Prior to that, I would volunteer to act as president of companies, and I go in and decide whether I want to liquidate it or you know put money into to keep them going. In other words, uh, kind of an overview. If you could put yourself in being an executive per se, like a trustee. But I did it as it, I never charged them. I just went ahead and did it. You understand? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I only charged them if uh, if we made a profit in the transaction. If it doesn't do any good, you know, I look at a company that's going to be dead. I'm also well close the thing down. Mm-hmm. So anyway, when I walked into this that that question, we owe you a favor. That was part of the game because I was you know making some money. And I said, well, who's going to be the next president? And they said, Jimmy Carter. And I said, Jimmy who? And they said, well, he's the Democratic governor of Georgia. And I said, but I've been voting Republican. And then Paul Volcker speaks up, don't worry about it, son. We control them both. Well, I knew that. Actually, he and I flew back to Denver on the same plane. And, you know, I told him he was the most powerful man in the world. And he reminded me, no, he's just a front man. Anyway, the meeting went on to the next step is, I said, my question is now, what does the finance chairman do? And I said, I just started this $100 million project. And they said, don't worry about it. We'll put it on ice. In other words, warehouse it. And then, then I said, well, what does it do? And then they said, we'll sit down with Ted. So I'm with Ted Kennedy. And Ted says, George, you're going to love this job. He says, we're going to send you out to all the state democratic functions and you're going to meet some real foxy ladies. And just then, I mean, another one of these coincidences? Yes. Right. My daughter walks in. Ted looks at her and he goes, wow, I got to go to bed with that. And I said, no, you don't, Ted. That's my daughter. And she's 14. And his response was, I don't care. I was livid. I didn't, you know, I'm sitting, you know, two feet from him. I just got up, didn't say another word. I walked across the room. I'm talking to Pierre Trudeau and his wife. At that time, he was the Prime Minister of Canada. Canada. Anyway, I'm talking to him just to get my head level. I'm looking back, and I knew how the Kennedys were, and I know how a lot of the politicians are, frankly. But I, you know, I laid the boundaries out for him. Well, anyway, I'm talking to Pierre, and, all, and his wife's sitting there next to him, and there's a little half cigar box full of white powder. And I'm looking around the room, and I said, "It's something to do myself. If the world leaders have to resort to this, I don't know if I want to be part of it. So anyway, over the weekend, this is on a Friday meeting, I, I said I'd let you guys know on Monday. Over the weekend, i got to sit in on all the meetings what they have planned for the United States, and we're basically going to be gone. So that's that's the ultimate game. The plan 2000 calls for the, uh, the war to get started in the year 2000. Jimmy Carter had a, believe it or not, there's uh a monument in, in Georgia, where Jimmy came from. They call it Georgia Guidestones. Just look it up on the Internet. They'll tell you exactly what happened at the meeting. But mm-hmm. they're behind schedule, that's
0: all. Who do you think put those stones there?
1: Well, I heard. I don't know. I, when I was down in Atlanta, I was speaking down there with David Icke, and we were discussing that same thing, and some people came up and said so they just did it in secret behind. They don't want anybody to know about it. But, you know, again, it was. Yeah, <laughs> I have to look at it. Uh, Carter was from Georgia and that's where the Georgia Guidestones are and that Guidestones are basically what the plan 2000 was all about and the plan 2000 calls for this is population reduction of the entire planet and they want to get the war started in the Middle East that's to follow the biblical prophecies this this thing is so orchestrated over you know a long time Uh, you're talking about different years in order to get to the level of making it so that their plan comes to fruition. T- to and I keep watching what's going on because as I'm running around the world, and I, you know, I, I, had, I owned a coffee farm in Costa Rica, and I got it from Rodrigo Odio, which was the president of Costa Rica, and they had a meeting of all the presidents of Latin America. And I was the only American there. I sat in on a meeting. They all know what's going on. They know that they're being puppets at the game because it's been controlled by the guys behind the Federal Reserve, which controls most of Europe. The only the wild cards in the game is China. Well, you know, I was in Beijing just not too far, you know, too long ago. And in Beijing, uh, I'm sitting with the leaders over there and they said it's 5000 years. It's our turn to run the world.
0: So you think they're next.
1: Uh, that's what's planned. I mean, I said well, they basically control the United States. I mean, we borrowed all the money from them. We're getting all the technology, everything else.
0: Well, they're already overtaking us economy wise. That's you know, that's something I've well, been they saying for control yeah. everything.
1: They just—you look at everything that they have. They have their people over here spending the dollars and obtaining all of the natural resources. You know, they—they they have the second largest oil company in Canada. They're buying up. Well, in Ecuador, they're loaning money down there for them. They give it them a couple billion. You know, billionaire and a billion there of dollars. Well, the meetings between uh, you know Putin and the guys in China right now—they're going to have their new currency. Now they're trying to get this done in the next six weeks.
0: Six weeks.
1: Yeah, we're not talking about a long time ago. The plan is they want to have it done. That's the reason why you keep watching the game. I watch the game of, you know, the, the, as you know, I was a registered financial principal and an underwriter in the securities. And, and the reason I got to that, I, I don't know if I've shared this with you before, but my, my dad was uh, the third largest meat packer in Denver. And one of the problems in the meat business is the packers and stockyards. If I go out and buy a 1,000 head of cattle, I've got to buy them from the farmer. I've got to pay for it in 24 hours. If I process the animal and I turn around and sold it to the government, they would pay me in two or three months. So I had a lot of what I call factoring of the, or accounts receivable, financing on our receivables. Yep. And I was dealing uh, back in the days where banks had loan limits, you know, to each of the individuals.
0: You don't see factoring that much these days, do you?
1: No, no, they, they, things are changing. well, even today, they're still working on the fractional reserve system. You know, they can loan out 10 times the balance of the bank, basically. they created it out of or, you know, they created it out of thin air. So it, it's a it's it's a game going, but what's happening now is they got so much money that's floated out there that it is all insolvent. now. it's that's the problem. You don't know what the dollar is, and other countries are the way you can't use the dollar anywhere in Europe. They don't even take it in Switzerland right now.
0: I just returned from Europe, and I've been there before a few times, and I couldn't believe it. Nobody wanted to take dollars.
1: No, they don't. I thought because people were joking when about.
0: I thought really. I thought when people told me. Don't take dollars. You're going to have to take it from the ATM or bring euros with you. I thought, you're kidding me. You know, they'll be able at the hotel or at the bank. Hardly anybody wanted dollars.
1: Mel, the game, when I sat with them, they're going to have everybody on a debit card. And that's with uh, your picture, your photo ID. It'll be linked to your medical records. And that's what the doctors are doing right now. Um, you're going to have to go to the. This is under the FEMA rules. You're going to go call a national emergency. You go to the post office, and they're going to give you this new coat ID card. And the ID will have the. You know, basically, well, ninety four percent of all money today is digits. You're aware oh, of that. Sure. Uh, you can still and you can still use digits as you know. When you went to Europe, you can still use your Visa and Mastercard and American Expe- uh, Express some places Hardly. because it's not part of that system. Right. So you, you have a whole game of look at where can you go, and then you want to get your cards approved in advance anyway because you still have the same problem.
0: Now, you wrote something very interesting lately, and I'm not sure if it was you, that title, Impending Financial Collapse, The Grand Finale. Here is what is about to happen to you, an economic love story of 50 shades of green, and that uh, you discuss capital controls about that $100 bill. Can you explain?
1: No, I didn't. Uh, I didn't write that. Uh, but that they're talking about the new hundred dollar. But the new hundred dollar bills, that you see seen, you know they're 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 going to get rid of all of that. They just you're not going to have any money. It Won't be anything at all. That's the big the the dilemma of all of this stuff.
0: But is it interesting, uh, George? That years ago, when the after 2008, I remember, I decided. I don't trust the FDIC. I know that even if they're allegedly insured, they're not going to cover my money. So I decided to take some money out. And some of the banks were telling me, well, sir, you're going to have to uh, come back tomorrow and the day after and the day after. And it wasn't really that much, but I decided to start taking out. And I was treated like a terrorist. Like, why do you want all this money? And then recently, I decided to put some money back into the bank and the same questions, why are you putting all this cash in the bank? Da 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 da. What is up with the cash?:
1: Well, Mel, what they're doing in order to trace everything down um, I don't know if you've experienced this, but if you have depending on the banks, if you have 3,000 or more in cash that you take out, or 3,000 or more you put in, unless you're a you know a commercial yeah. account, they want to know where it came from. Because we know we have a cash uh, society, and a lot of people do the trading on it now they're trying to trace it all the way down and you have to fill out forms. I even was wiring five thousand dollars to some people across the country the other day, and I had to fill out forms to send them five thousand dollars
0: yeah yep
1: it's i it's and to send it and i have I have property outside of the country, and to send money outside of the country is getting to be a uh, crazy game, whether you're going to get it done or not, or you're going to wait to, or what I was in there, it took three weeks for them to clear. And I said, that's it. Three weeks to clear money that I've, you know, wired transferred doesn't make a lot of sense, does it?
0: And you're right. And they're questioning you more. And I do have businesses and I do have, you know, people who pay with cash. The other day I went to the bank to deposit some cash and they have these, these tellers now asking questions in a very polite way. Oh, sir, did you sell something? But you know what they're trying to do. They're trying to just, you know, catch you to see if you sold something or if you're taking the money from somewhere else.
1: Exactly. So, you know, you're aware of it. I'm aware of it, what's going on with the banks? So I watch everything at this minute. My, You know, we're going to have to be traders. Everybody's got to get involved with their little trading with their neighbors to figure out what they have and then storing up some supplies. And I figure when they get this game going – probably the first day first 30 days will be the most uh traumatic because everybody's going to be standing
0: in line what about the not the ndaa the other i forgot the actual name of the of the law the national resource i forgot what it was but it was you know of course signed by uh, executive order not too long ago where the government can take any of your water any any anything you have in your farm in case of in case of emergency and we can deem anything an emergency these days, can't we?
1: That's correct, except for the, the doctors themselves don't know what's going on. They're, they're in trouble, too, because all of the diseases, some of them we're creating ourselves. The same thing, people want to, as you say, uh, be in, uh, solvent on what they're doing. And that's a problem also because of the diseases that are coming up. I mean, we're looking at all kinds. There's a lot of ET uh it, figures, if you look at it being reported now online, I mean, you can go to the, look for that and you'll see them. they're all over the place right now. Well, there's places that their ETs are, go, they got bases in Idaho, they got them in Colorado, they got them every place. They got them in Ecuador. You can go down there in Ecuador, you can see the, the craft flying over and coming down. Now, the, where you're going to be, the safest area, according to what I'm hearing, is going to be south of the equator. Because the northern hemisphere is about ready to, you know, get taken off big time because of what the Soviets got planned with the Chinese. Now I'm sitting in Beijing. This is before they took the wall down. I was a guest of the government, and I got to travel around all over China. You have no idea what a billion two hundred million people are until you walk among them and look at the stories, what they got put together, and how they're doing it. And they're they're really smart into what they've set up on it because basically they're. You know they're providing everything for in the products on it, and they have been keeping their people in the middle area. Well, right now they got 500 million people that are kind of middle class, and we're looking 500.
0: Yeah, I, I, sp- I spoke with uh, the driver I had in 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 Paris a few days ago, and I was pointing at the sky because I could not believe the chemtrails there. But uh, she started telling me, "Well, the wealthy here in 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 France, they're they're." Training their kids, they're teaching them Mandarin. That's that's what everybody's doing here because they know what's coming. So this is this is something that people know already.
1: You, the Europeans do, and they're sitting down looking at it. Russia's made a deal, as you know, just within the last week and stuff, because they're going to end up back taking that area. But Russia and China uh, are going to. You know, all the trade and stuff is happening now, getting rid of the Federal Reserve notes all over the planet. So now we're looking at a big deal, what's happening at them, and they keep putting the money out, and now we're having a combined currency that's going to be less than you know, right here for the United States. Well, why would they be advertising again for people between 18 and 25 to be getting ready for the registration again and for the FEMA camps? Now, they're advertising for FEMA help. That means they're getting ready for the war, and the FEMA help is to round up all the people and part of the population reduction deal that was was put into effect a long time ago. So you and I are living in the most interesting times, especially this year. You know, right? This year, I'm concerned over the next 90 days. Now, why am I here? Well, I'm waiting for them to hit Israel because that was the triggering point. If they hit Israel, that'll begin World War III regardless because that's the plan. Now, that, all the other countries are there, of course, backed up now against the United States, and we're, we, you know, we're the bad guys. I mean, in fact, we're the bad guys everywhere I go.
0: It seems that we're trying to to pick on somebody all the time. Right now, we have the the Nigerian schoolgirls who has allegedly have been, a, a, you know, uh, uh, kidnapped, and then we find out that the people who kidnapped them are just completely equipped with U.S. weapons. Then we have uh, Russia in Ukraine and we're trying to create a a new cold war even though Russia seems to want to ignore it but we keep putting sanctions every day i mean today they said you know by the year 2020 you won't be using our our the the space station and so on why are we trying to go to war with with uh, Russia to create world war 3
1: Yes. The whole thing, we've got to get World War III, that's their excuse, to reduce the world's population down to less than 500 million, which was his carrying capacity. I mean, we're approaching 8 billion people on the planet. Yeah. I mean, the last time they started looking and playing the games, this was in 1908, uh, there was 2 billion people on the planet at that time. And uh, the English did this in conjunction with... The Germans, they led an expedition to Tugungsta, to Siberia, and Tugungsta today is still radioactive from the nuclear missile. They were hoping to flip the planet on its axis to reduce the population down to that point. They had the numbers back
0: then. Wait a second. What do you think happened in Tunguska? That's, that's before nuclear technology, you know, before the 40s.
1: 1904, Colonel Francis Younghusband, who was an officer in India, led an expedition to Tibet. The Tibetan monks were guarding the ancient documents of Atlantis and Lemuria. In the documents, they had the secrets of nuclear fusion. It showed that this planet was, quote, engineered for 500 million people and a lot of other data. Well, he didn't know what to do with it either, so he took it to uh, the viceroy in India, Lord Kherson, Kurson said, send it to the center of the universe, and that was London at that time, which controlled you know, about two-thirds of the planet. Yeah. And so the, the uh, scientists over there took that, and they said, my gosh, if we're going to do this, I guess the best way to do it is let the Germans have it under Bismarck. So they went over there with them, and the Germans built the first nuclear bomb. In fact, you remember the fat man and the thin man that we talk about? Those were all right. German bombs. Well, making weight, they exploded the Tugunks the, the to Siberia that was launched by a missile. And it went up, and it basically, purpose was to flip the planet on its axis prematurely, because we're getting ready for that, too. As you know, we're reaching a point in the universe, which will happen probably in the next 15 years now, you're going to see an escalation of earthquakes, earth changes, and everything, everybody. But somebody has to be aware of those, and that's the reason why you and I are on the program discussing this. Now, I'm looking at, look, I want to call it a school of minds. Our backyard over there, in, you know, in Golden, uh, we have all the flathead, you know, all these seashells and everything else. Where do they all come from? I mean, you know, you're talking about the Mile High City was all underwater, right? The western start of Colorado is loaded with ancient bones all over the things, you know, the fossils and all that. We start looking around the planet, you can see how that we have changed before.
0: Well, look at that, Lake, T- Lake Titicaca. The the uh, highest lake in the world, full of sea life.
1: That's right. Well, that was because it was under the water, and there's also th- that area was being manipulated by the extraterrestrials themselves. So you go to, you know, you want to go down to Peru in th- that area, you go down there, lake, and then, well, you can see the Nazca, you know, the, the Nazca ruins down at the plains, and you can see all the landing strips, and they're still coming down there. They're all underwater, the ETs. Uh, I I travel a lot in Latin America, and you look at the things that are catching up. The trouble is our population is gaining so much all over the planet, and we've been manipulated by the banking group. And again, I used to run around with these guys, so I know what the game is all about. I started my own bank outside the Federal Reserve. And they really got mad at me. And so what I did, and and like you, Mel, I would say, hey, I'll give you a checking account. And what I did was have with my checking account, because I had money, I put it into that account. But I added five more digits so you could be having access to the account. That way I, I had checks to be able to secure someplace else. They got real mad at that, that game, too. And so, like, I basically got it, you know, shut it down because it wasn't worth cents. They wouldn't allow me to create, you know, 10 times the deposits out of nowhere. I had to use real money. So it made it so it wasn't worthwhile, but I started looking and then getting involved with them. and That's why I said, then they turned around and asked me to be the finance chairman for the next president of the United States two years before I became president. Well, then I'm running around with, you know, senator friends and that kind of stuff, and I'm learning a, a real game on it. I think that was partly because of my dad being in the meat business, and, you know, he helped supply a lot of meat to the to the military during the war. Uh, and at the end of the war, at that time, they owed my dad a lot of money. And Peter Dominic, which our senator, and my dad flew back and talked to Truman because they wanted to, he they owed him $466,000. I'll never forget the date. No, that's a lot of money back in the 40s, if you remember. Anyway, they owed him the money, and he went in, and Truman says, I'll get you the money, but put $40,000 in his account. And my dad says, I didn't know I could buy the president that cheap. <laughs> he didn't get the money just so you know it was a crazy game different time in life i used to you know look at these guys and they have a heavy rud they have a uh, uh, let's put it this way you're walking down a runway and you got to be careful what you say because either you want your job you know your ego says look i'm a senator it doesn't make any difference there's very few of them up there that can follow the whole game you know ron paul down in texas was doing everything but he couldn't go all the way He was hoping he'd be able to offset it, as you know, the last election or so.
0: Didn't they try to create a a mini-depression to you just like they did in in the late 20s? They call loans to everybody, so everybody had to sell their stocks really cheap, and that's what created the depression. Didn't they do the same thing to you?
1: Well, what had happened when I I sat down here looking at this thing, I was building all over the country, and when I walked into that meeting, and I said no to him. Then Bill Clark, that was a senior banker at the, the Central Bank in Denver, called me in, and he says, "You've uh, the guys upstairs don't like you anymore. And I said, what do you mean? And he says, we got to call your loans. Well, he was my main bank. And he said, the only thing I will tell you, that I can give you 30 days. Now, when I'm on the list, that went clear out to every bank in the country because the banks already got a letter from me not to take my money. I was selling money. Let me explain to you what I was doing and becoming so quote popular I found a little niche I found out when I went to the bank, and I wanted to borrow a million dollars or where it was, the bank said they could either do it, but they wanted me to have my friends that had money, which we did, deposit the money into the bank. And I said, why is that? And they said, well, it allows us to, you know, loan you money out of nowhere, right? right. So I says, well, what, it, what do you got to do? And then at that time, uh, if you put in $10,000 in the bank, and that was the maximum at that time, they give you a new TV set, Mel. I don't know if you remember those days, but that's what he did. Anyway, uh, the return was about 5%. Well, I sit down with uh, the bank president, and we're sitting here discussing. I said, let me look at your records. So I went over the accounting. I said, it looks to me like when you give a guy a TV set, that's about 3% of what the people's deposit is because you're putting it in there for one year, the one-year certificate deposit. He said, that's right. I said, I got a better deal. Why don't you pay me 3%? And I'll get all the money you want in that bank. Because I called all my friends and I said, I'll increase your yield by 40% with no risk. All you had to do, that time they pay 5%, right? And what I did was write them a check in advance for 2%. Like they put in 10000 I like give them $200, which didn't mean a lot, right? But that $200 was 40% more than the 5% five the bank was paying them. Now, remember, it was all FDIC insured, like you're talking about. But my deal was outside of the gate. Now, they could pay it to me as an advertising deal. Now, that's exactly what happened. It was advertising money. Well, the word spread two ways. Everybody around the country found out about me for some reason. So all of a sudden, I got banks calling for money because, remember, they can loan out 10 times the deposit. So I'd say, how much money do you want? And I'd go ahead and put the money into the bank. That's on a one-year certificate. But it'd be your money. And that mail, you had 10000 sitting around. I wrote you a check in advance to go drop it in a bank that was FDI insured, FDIC insured or FISLIC insured. Remember the savings and loans?
0: That's right. Yeah.
1: Well, in the savings loan, I was really heavy in that deal because U.S. Life uh, and Savings Loan in Denver, uh, I had had went down and borrowed $100 million on a project I was doing. Anyway, the day I was supposed to get the money, uh, they come back in because Jeb Bush flew in. And he said, um, you got to increase, I told the bank, he said, you got to increase the points I was paying to buy a loan. You know, when you go put a loan, you usually pay a point or whatever. Well, they wanted five points. I said, wait a minute, I don't need to do that. So I went across the street and borrowed it from another place. But at that point, then I'm sitting with the S&Ls, and that's the beginning when I got involved with selling the money. At some, remember, I'm selling money on both sides. Well, I said, why don't you guys pool the stuff, because I have my uh, the friends in New York City. I said, we can go ahead and take care of some of this by creating something new. And what was that? A derivative. We would package a 100 of their loans, and then we could sell it to one of the pension funds that they're playing around with up there, The 100 to package, you know, with an arbitrary number. Because you couldn't figure out what a, a derivative was worth on the on the, uh, the loans that were out on the savings loans. So what they did, this is in New York, they got AIG to insure the loan, which immediately gave it some ver- verification and validation. They got a certain dollar amount, no matter what. Now, that was the risk that, you, you know, AIG took. So we remember, when they just got to closing all the banks down, they also rescued AIG. So you can understand why they had to do that, too.
0: So people listening, we rescued AIG twice in the past 10 years. It happened already before in the 80s, didn't it?
1: That's right. And that was to basically to protect the, the money that was on deposit, and they started selling all of these derivative, quote, things to foreign governments. So foreign governments are sitting here with all these derivatives of ours, and it's in the trillions of dollars. There's nothing behind it. More blue sky. Well, it's all coming to the head. So what's in the head? They've got to get World War III started.
0: I was just going to say, this is absolutely, whenever I say, just by looking at the national debt, $17 trillion, this is unsustainable. Your children, grandchildren, my children, they, we won't be able to pay this ever, ever. So what's the next step, Then Press the reset button and create a world war. That's it.
1: Well, Mel, you, you, see, the problem is with the accounting system. When you come into the $17 trillion, that is due this year. Now, they have signed like a two-year bond or a five-year bond. That debt doesn't, is not added in until the second year or the five years or ten years. So if you really add it up, we're over $100 trillion in debt. And like you said, there's no way out of this thing. So their combination is they got to get World War III started to do things. That's their ultimate game. I mean, I'm sitting in meetings on how to, I, I said in a meeting there was 12 of us talking about how to reduce the population of the planet. Right? And these guys are how to make it and make money while they're doing it. That's how crazy they are. Anyway, uh, while they're doing this and we're sitting here along we and we adjourned for lunch and half of them uh, took off someplace else. And I'm sitting with guys talking about getting rid of some of them in the other room. And that's when I came to the conclusion, Mel, this is the big thing. These guys don't know who's going to be on top. So, we, no matter what happens, they may have plans, but any, not necessarily what's going to come out on the other end, but they keep working to the ultimate goal because they have the same kind of details that you and I get. I mean, we look at it. We know that the world's population cannot sustain the way it's going right now. The population's going to hell in the handbasket for diseases that they're creating. And we've got all this other stuff that's happening to the waters. And not only that, the evolution and changes that are happening on the planet itself. So you and I are in for the biggest ride of our life right now.
0: You know, we're talking about uh, states who want to print their own currency. And people think, oh, Mel, come on, that's conspiracy theory. It's not. There are 13 states, and I think by now... There are more, 13 states that are worried that the Fed, the Federal Reserve and the U.S. dollars are on the brink of collapse and they want to obtain permission from their their, uh, approval from their state governments to either issue their own alternative currency or explore it as an option. But the problem is that the federal government, when they hear about this, they say, oh, you do that, we're going to stop funding you. The same with police, education, roads and so on. So they basically are cutting their you know what. That's right.
1: Now, I said on those same things when they were trying to design currencies when they are doing that thing, I said, well, wait a minute, because basically I was, you know, creating all kinds of stuff, you know, wealth for people and playing with their money and a lot of people have a lot of cash but it's all going to go away and frankly, they tell you in black and white what you should have and that, number one, the only currency that's traded throughout the world between countries is listed in the International Monetaries Fund and uh, and frankly, if your listeners want to have it, just uh, somehow get a hold of me and I'll send you a copy of what their currency is and also a copy of what they their definition of money is.
0: But what about Federal Reserve? What about the Bank of London? You know, with what's happening with BRICS or you even said that China is the wild card. How about Russia? Aren't they a wild card as well?
1: Well, Russia and, you know, if you've been to Russia, Russia's 10 time zones. They've got enormous resources back in there. Mm-hmm. They don't have a big population. Actually, they're losing population. But Putin's no dummy. He's making deals right now to act as coordinating that because Russia's providing all the energy right now for Europe. So you look at what's going to say, wait a minute, how are they doing that? Well, you just look at it. What's coming up, the natural gas and electricity, they got uh, all the electricity is coming from Iran on all the nuclear reactors that they built there. And now the raw material, the oil and natural gas comes from Russia. So you tell me what the who's controlling uh, Europe
0: right now? <laughs> well, that's the, that's what I'm saying. You look at the news, and we seem the almighty powerful U.S. And believe me, folks, I'm a patriot. Yes, I'm not trying to make fun of our nation, but I make fun of our leaders because when I see Europe saying, "Wait a second, you know, do we have more to lose if we go with Russia or we go with the United States? They get fifty percent of their gas from from Russia through Ukraine today. Just today, I heard that France is laughing at the United States, even though we don't want them to sell you know military ships and destroyers to to russia that's exactly what they did today
1: well are are you trying to tell me that they're getting ready for World war three
0: well they're selling they're they're selling France is selling equipment and military uh ships to russia and even at this moment when there's this line of demarcation being placed between the European Union, the United States, and Russia. I think the, the the European Union is starting to realize that they have more to lose if they continue intimidating and, uh, you know, sanctioning Russia.
1: That's it. Well, that, they're waking up to what's going on in the same way. That's the reason why we can't use dollars over there. And uh, I I toured and lectured all over Europe, and uh, that's exactly what's going on. And you go to these, you know, go, go to Spain, 43% unemployment. That's well, right. They don't tell you that it's like going to New Orleans. You know, when the, when New Orleans had all that bad stuff, do you think the people down in New Orleans built those buildings? Do you know, fix it back up again? No, they brought in the Mexicans to go do it. It's, it's a incredible scam on the biggest deal you can look at, and the politicians, the information coming out from the politicians right now, you can see where they're investing the money that they've created out of thin air, trying to think that they're going to have something, but they're not going to have anything either. We're looking at major problems in the United States right now. And frankly, oh, I've, I've been told when the bomb hits Israel, I should be south of the equator.
0: Do you think that, I've heard many people say that, do you think Israel is the sacrificial lamb to start? World War Three.
1: Well, it was created in forty-eight for this purpose. Yeah. It was created for that. Israel didn't exist, you know. It, the trouble is that it's all being manipulated. Look, can you see what they're doing? They're threatening other people, and they're out doing this stuff. But, it, uh, you know, I, I get reports like you do all the time. You sit down, and it's amazing what's happening behind the scenes. And yet all of the Middle East now is up in the air. I mean, we've got our so-called congressmen over there talking to these people. You know, with the big stick but we do have all the nuclear capabilities, but Russia, uh, I don't know if you, the deals that you know are made of, but Russia and the United States were supposed to reduce their world, their, their uh, nuclear facilities, but Russia hasn't done that. And even more interesting, in Russia had a destroyer in Havana this last two weeks, and pictures of it.
0: And Havana needs that because they see Venezuela as uh, non- unsustainable as well.
1: Venezuela's got that's a political problem. I you know I've been down to Caracas many times on it. The, uh, The problem is down there again is the guys that are running up on top. They look at the you know, what you call it the worker bee out here is expendables, too. And they, they uh, overspend, overdid everything they've done on the thing. So, uh, you know, they had it right. But how do you get it fixed up again? I'm going to see it all. I, I see several countries just folding up right now. They're having meetings, as you and I are speaking right now. Uh, Panama wants to be the central of several of the countries, including, you know, because uh, Ecuador and Costa Rica and these people still using the dollar in some of the countries. So it—it's a when's that going to come apart? And I th- very quickly.
0: Now going back to the ET phenomenon here, how were you contacted?
1: Well, when I was over with Billy Meyer. Uh, you know, with with the uh, finding out for myself because I did I, I went over there unannounced. You know, I'm knocking on the door, and the young lady named Bruni answered it, and I said, "I'm George Green." I put the money up for publishing some of this UFO material for Wendell Stevens and yep. the other people, mm-hmm. and uh, I said, "I," you know, that didn't work out because they decided that whatever reason, you know, I know the reason, but uh, whatever happened, I said, "I'm here to find out for the truth about all this matter." Because I think their story needs to be told to the world.
0: I hope Michael Horn is not charging you any royalties by speaking about this.
1: Well, Michael was after me. I mean, I've, I've got I've got documents from Billy with my name in it between me and Quetzal when I was over there. So, but they won't put those out either. But when I come out, because I was so upset because I was filing suit against the other guys, you know, for the recla- return of my money, I said, I didn't want anything. Just give me my money back. You guys make all the profit. You know, and they said, no, you've you got more money than God is what they said. And so I said, forget that. So I filed suit. And that ended up over being in Switzerland. Well, knocking on the door with Bruni. Uh, and then, then she come she back and told Billy who I was, and then came back ten minutes later and said, Mister Reen, I'm sorry, you know, Shirley McLean was over here two months ago, and she promised to help us, and nothing has happened. And I said, Well, big deal. My wife and I are going to head off over to to Austria. Then I'll make a vacation out of it. So I asked her. I said, Give me the closest hotel. Next morning at seven o'clock, knocking on my door. Here's Bruni handing me a two-page message you know, from Billy and Quetzal, invited me back over to the compound. So for the next week, frankly, I got my mind blown. Everything I thought I knew was based on a lie. I, and, and there's where I made an agreement with Billy to act as their publisher. I said, that, except for I have a problem, I'm in a lawsuit right now against the guys who claim to have your world right story right now. Meaning? And I said, I'll have to get, that was Lee and them. Okay. And I says, I'll have to get that squared away. Billy and I had a different relationship on that thing because we were talking there and you know my wife was in there talking and my wife, frankly, became in direct contact herself. And when we left we started getting, uh, you know, information ourselves that all fits together on it. When, we were, when I was with Billy, I was reading the documents of the Talmud of Emmanuel, you know, the teachings of Emmanuel. Yeah. Well, when I was 14, I'll show you how life goes together. When I was 14 years old, I was with uh, Dr. Walter Moyer. He was a, um, a researcher of, of this stuff, but he was also digging up the Dead Sea Scrolls. You know, every summer, he invited me over to go over there. When he came back one year and he says, you know, the story they tell you about Jesus is not right. Anyway, he laid out the whole program. Well, I am reading the, almost identical to the same stuff when I was reading the Talmud of Emmanuel from Billy. Well, Billy and, and uh, you know, Wendell had got a uh, college kid over there to translate the Swisey Deutsch, the High German that the Greek priest had translated into into English. So I'm looking at it, and it was really a, a you know a nightmare, so to speak. But my wife wanted to be part of this game, too. So when we came back over here, we sent some of the documents out. One, to Dr. Jim Deerdorf, if you're aware of him. And, of course, he was a born-again at that time, was going to disprove the documents. But, as you know, he ended up proving they were real, and it's going on about that game. Well, meanwhile, during that same time, uh, the energy that was in behind all of that ended up giving us some corrections directly <laughs> over the Talmud. So that was fascinating to do, too. So uh, all this stuff interreacts, inter- and I'm in continuous contact now with ETs that are saying my last message is there are too few of the people waking up Mill, to make any significant difference. That's the words that they use. And their suggestion that those people that are no get together with other people of like minds, only in small groups, not big ones. Three Seven Eleven. They even spell it out in the in the handbook. Frankly, they, and keep it in that area and start looking because the first rule of the universe is to gain all knowledge, so you can wisely follow the laws and be active at this point. My last messages are. We're not sure we're gonna be able to have a planet that's gonna be left with people in it. And I'm still out here lecturing and getting and going on the radio with you and other people, trying to get them to at least call my eight hundred number, you know, seven two nine four one three one and get a free copy of the handbook. I'm sending them out of my own money. I mean I was on Coast to Coast Radio and we had thirty five thousand people call in. It
0: cost me a hundred thousand to send them out. Why don't you just send the e book instead?
1: Well, that's what we ended up doing because of the post office and the rest of it. Right now, anybody can just go online, go into the handbook for the new paradigm, and there it is. It's all E-done. It's all over the place. Everybody just paid to read it, but they also want to get it out to other people, too. So if you pull it up, pull my name up, uh, you know, you're know, you going to find it all over the Internet right now. I, I cannot believe all the place. I, I'm even on WikiLeaks. <laughs> and this, this is to get the stuff going out to the people, and that was my agreement. I said, I'll get it out there. Speaking because all everything's going to go go to pieces, and I'm, I'm going to, you know, try to keep going and talking to, on the radio like with you and other people because you have a listening audience out here that knows part of the picture. I was involved in making some of the picture that this country. I mean, I looked at, it, I recognized what was going on.
0: Uh, you mentioned, but when
1: they asked- you know, when they asked me to build that enemy prisoner war camp downtown Las Vegas, you know, I gave it to Ted Gunderson, a copy of the contract. You know, Ted was former head of the yeah. FBI. His boss was J. Edgar Hoover. Mm-hmm. You know, Ted and I were good buddies. Anyway, he he took Laddin and then he came back, and he said they're building them all over the country. Well, that's based on the formation of what they have to round up the people, you know, for liquidation.
0: Well— 45 minutes away from me, we have uh, the Florence, what used to be, well, there's a prison there, but there's also the the internment camp for Japanese during World War II, and it's still there. And I kind of uh, cringe whenever I drive by there because I see it, and it has the barbed wires inside. So it's obviously an internment camp, and it looks pretty new, pretty modern, almost as if it's being ready to be used again.
1: That's the reason why I told you that on television just two weeks ago, I'm looking at it and they're asking for people to come, you know, they want to pay them 20 bucks an hour, either 20, 40 or some odd figure to come in and help man the, uh, the FEMA camps. Now, if, if that's what they're doing, they're getting things lined up, and I haven't run it down. I'm like you. I just don't have a lot of time to do everything because I'm, I'm juggling a lot of things for people right now. They're trying to, you know, I got people sitting here with, well, one, one with 25 million how do you save twenty five million since you can't transfer it anywhere?
0: Do you think this is why DHS Homeland Security is hiring between two and three thousand new agents? Sure. And two billion uh, hollow point bullets, seven hundred armor, uh, uh, mine resistant vehicles. Why would they need that for?
1: Well, because they're expecting the the so called patriots here that have guns and stuff to act against most of them, but most of the people, when they find out how bad it is, they're not going to do anything anyway. They'll throw it in. But uh, I'm telling you, they don't have plans. The United States going to be in any big any shape at all. Uh, you know, it's basically you're going to have the Western United States together. Uh, California is going to be gone. I mean, I, I sat with the FEMA head in Phoenix, and he said we're going to set up tent cities on the border between California and you know Arizona. Well, Arizona's in big trouble. I mean, they got no water. Three million people in Phoenix, and you look at it. Where are they going to get the water? All this—that's the Southwest—is as you know is got complete desert now, and things are really escalating because of the lack of moisture and the weather changes that are also. Natural, but also being manipulated.
0: Well, the drought in California, it's unprecedented. And now we have towns in Arizona without water. At the same time, we heard the news during the winter. Oh, my God, we have had the coldest winter in history. But then we have Alaska with the warmest January in history. Something's wrong.
1: Well, Mel, I was in Panama a couple months ago, and the ocean down there is three degrees warmer. Now, let's give you some ideas. The ocean currents, as you know, go from the center to the the other ends. Well, what's happening is they're going north and south, and both of the poles are now melting. Now, what that's doing is increasing the water thing on it. The other problem is because of all the gamma and ultraviolet rays that are coming down through the ozone holes that we're developed because of our nuclear testing, where they're killing off all the largest, you know, the oxygen producers on the planet. That's the plankton in the ocean, and the plankton turned black. Now, you put something black in front of the sun, what does it do? Heats up. That's right, and so what's and so what's happening to the ocean? It's heating up. Now this is going all over the whole planet, so you know it isn't there. And you go over to China; that's mostly desert. You know, their main population is just in their cities. I mean, I went to all of them; I got to see what it's like, and it's unbelievable. But it's it's like going to New York City, you know, a vertical Los Angeles. Uh, it's just that how the and New York's going to go too. They're you know they're trying to build a wall up around it. They're talking about it. If they can create this, you know, people willing to work for money. Well, people will as long as it'll still buy groceries at the store. I can foresee that the grocery stores will be empty. I, I was was the president of a. Of a you know, a grocery store chain the other day, and he's concerned because he has to buy product now, and a lot of it's coming in, as you know, from other countries. At this second, is the conversion again of the money, and then having enough when time it gets here, is it spoiled? And also, the FDA, bless their heart, yeah. has been you know checking out everything, but the boats' loads of food and stuff, maybe one in twenty gets checked.
0: Well, yeah, it's random. They can they can't be checking them all, and you know. Who knows where all that's coming from? And, uh, you know, you mentioned the UV rays. UV A, B, and C. UV A is the, the, the one that doesn't harp that much. Then you have UV B, and UV C should be 100,000 feet ab- above the atmosphere, and it's making all its way down to the surface. The next one is that's right. X-ray. So it's really frying us. What's causing this?
1: Well, that was because
0: of... Thank you for listening to the first segment of this very important interview. To listen to the rest, go to veritasradio.com and subscribe. You will receive your login immediately. We'll take a short intermission, listen to some music, and we'll be right back. Enjoy.
1: to